0: Welcome
1: back to the NBA Recap Show on the Mojo Sports Network. It's your host, Alexander J. With me today, as always, Tom Dev from Melbourne, Yuri Bilsic from Perth. Tom, how are you, mate? I'm good. I'm on uh, holiday mode. Drew holiday mode, that is. Oh, stop. That's terrible. Yuri, how are you, mate?
2: Great, Alex. And we're almost here, right? Two more weeks. Preseason's begun and let the next chapter of this Eastern Conference rivalry take shape right now. That's
1: exactly, we were talking just before we hit record about it's me today, the most important man on the show. But Tom and Yuri, one's a Celtics fan, one's a Bucs fan. We've had these two massive trades. Um, we're going to get pretty deep into a celtics bucks draft. The three of us are going to pick players from both of those teams. That that talent is everywhere. But before we get there, we're going to talk about a couple of preseason games. We'll just touch on them. It isn't full NBA basketball, but it's a nice little... I don't want to say we're drug addicts, just for waiting for a little hit, but it feels good to see some guys on some hardwood floor. Uh, and then a couple of news items that have picked up during the week. Um, Tom, Yuri, I didn't ask either of you, have you watched these preseason games? Because I saw game two of the Wolves-Mavs game in Abu Dhabi, but uh, having had a chance to watch the the first game highlights, or the Warriors beating the Lakers earlier today. Tom, do you see anything? I didn't
0: see a whole lot. I did see uh, Anthony Davis taking a few threes in the game today, which is uh, quite handy. for see like my notes, get yeah.
2: That.
0: Yeah, and then I uh, saw Chris Paul did score a basket. Not sure how else he went, but I-, I did see the minutes were very limited across all the
1: starters, and I think there was like, what, 15 players play for the
0: Warriors or something like that.
1: Yeah, the same trend over in the Wolves-Mavs game. Um, the only thing I really want to point out in that second game, uh, Jaden Hardy had 22 points for the Mavs. Uh, he might be a nice uh, player this year. And Nas Reid, 14 points in limited minutes, a couple of big threes. I loved watching him in Minnesota last year before that hand injury. Um, keep an eye on him, guys. What about you, Yuri? Did you watch anything from these three preseason games?
2: Yes, likewise, Alex. The first game between Minnesota and Dallas in Abu Dhabi. And it was interesting to see, especially with the way Minnesota's going to run this season with Townsend Gobert. Of course, we saw last season that the only it was a very short span until... Towns, yeah, suffered that nasty, what, Achilles injury against Washington in a late November twenty-eight game, which sidelined him for was 50 it. Fifty-something games, yeah. Yeah, it was fifty-one games, pretty short, and sidelined him for four months. So that's gonna be fascinating to see the chemistry between those two because I think there was one particular play which we saw Rudy Gobert take a push shot, and that's not normally his goal anyway. We've seen over the past, in like pre-seasons, he's taken a three and then, ever since then during a season he hasn't bothered taking one because it's normally lobbed up or rim rim run to yeah the basket with him. So that's going to really be intriguing to see how it plays out because I think we talked about before with Carl Anthony Towns and he said it wasn't the first time he's played a power forward because he did it during his collegiate days at Kentucky. So him spacing the floor, of course, and him being – The great three-point shooter that he is in his mind anyway. We've already (laughs) heard that countless times too. So also Jalen McDaniels, that was also great to see him back in action too after that nasty hand injury. Well, it was to his own inflictment, right, where he basically punched his hand in the wall. And I think it was against the Pelicans right in the final game.
1: Yeah, I can't remember if it was that final uh, game of the play-in or if it was the first game of that uh, series against the Nuggets. I've had too much fun yeah. over the offseason, and it's, it's blurred my brain. But, yeah, the Wolves did beat the Mavs twice um, fairly comfortably. But we, as we said, you know, the starters played limited minutes. Cat 20 points in 17 minutes the first game. Luca had 25 in 17 minutes in that first game, put on a bit of a show, um, and then we touched on uh, game 204 to 96. The Warriors beat the Lakers today. I haven't had a chance to look at a single highlight. I just uh, delved into the box score right before we hit record today. Jonathan Kaminga, 24 points, and I was very happy to see that. Uh, And if you're a Lakers fan, rookie Max Christie had 15 as well. So you're excited to see baskets go down for those uh, two young guys. I wish we had more to say on the Warriors-Lakers, but maybe we just jump into some news, hey?
2: Absolutely, Alex. Harden,
1: James Harden, has been spotted practicing by Woj in Philadelphia. Look, if Woj says, Adrian Wojnowski, if he says Harden's practicing, I believe him, so he's turned up in the last couple of days, is practicing in Philly. Worth mentioning, don't know if he's going to play the season there. Um, We've all kind of really heavily fantasized about him on another team, fantasized about us not having to talk about him anymore. Tom, I think he wants him as far away as the Celtics as possible. What say you about Harden showing up in Philly, Tom?
0: Um, Oh, It's interesting because there's all those new quirks in the CBA that sort of made him show up because if he didn't, there's all kinds of different things that would happen with his free agency and his contract and fines and everything. So. It's not a surprise to see him show up. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if he's still there come opening of the season. And if he he is healthy, will he play? Uh, I mean, Celtics and Sixers play tomorrow morning, preseason game. Even if he wasn't going through all this, I don't know if he actually would play. Uh, Again, it kind of just seems like it's Clippers or bust. Although we did say this about Damian Lillard and the Miami Heat two, three (laughs) weeks ago. So who knows? But... Uh, I think the last rumour was it was Terrence Mann and they wanted two first-round picks, which I don't know. I don't think Harden on an expiring deal is really worth the two first-round picks, but I think a deal will eventually get done because I feel like the Clippers are going to have to play their hand eventually because the Clippers are all in too. They can't waste another season with just the same core. And don't be surprised if they somehow find a way to dump Marcus Morris and his contract as well and all this, but that's all I've really got on the Harden front.
1: Yeah, look, Yuri, I'm not sure if you got anything else to add. The Clippers, uh, it was reported by, I think, Zach exactly Zach mentioned on his podcast. They did float one of those first-round picks that they've got two that they can offer. Dangerous territory there for the Clippers. They're both unprotected, and you don't really know where their franchise is at the moment. They've got that new stadium. They're trying to rebuild a culture. Um, your thoughts, Yuri?
2: Yeah, I don't mean, feel as though they should pull the trigger, in all honesty, Alex, too, because if George and Leonard don't get hurt in various patches during last season, of course, PG went down against OKC on March 21 with that, was that nasty leg injury, I'm pretty sure, and he missed the remainder of the regular season, including that first round against Phoenix, which ultimately the Clippers lost in five games. If those two have remained healthy, they will have won 50 games, yet alone in this past regular season. End up, what, 45 and 37, which was good for fifth in the West, considering how sort of weakened the Western Conference was for the first time in a very long time, probably the first since maybe 2015-16. So, the Terrence Mann deal, too, the Clippers, no way we're going to give him up anyway. He's the real spark plug for them, whether he's starting at shooting guard or whether he comes off the bench, because they've got this flexibility, the Clippers, where they can play Kawhi at power forward. They can shift Paul George to small forward, which, he, of course, he played anyway at Indiana, and then play Terrence Mann at two alongside Russell Westbrook. And the biggest part, I think, too, as well, since Mann has been on the Clippers, right, Alex? was that 2021 playoff series against Utah, right? And he had that nasty dunk over Rudy Gobert. He really gave him that spark plug. I'm pretty sure it was in game four. And now it's a game which Kawhi went down with that partially torn ACL. And he provides those different dimensions, I think, within the Clippers roster, which is, of course, veteran-laden. That just needs an extra bit of youth on the perimeter. And that's where he really fits in well. And, of course, we spoke with, about Russell Westbrook when he was signed up by the Clippers, right? And including that game one against Phoenix, which, yeah, he only shot three of 19 from the field, but he had that one big defensive play where he stripped Devin Booker, threw it off him, and ultimately gave the Clippers the ball back. And I'm pretty sure it was Leonard who was fouled on the next possession and think gave the Clippers a five-point edge and that ultimately went on to close out in the final seconds. But Russ's whole sort of game now doesn't have to be centralised on stat padding on triple doubles, as some people like to use that term, which is unjustly unfair anyway, because now he's got PG. Of course, he played with him at OKC. He's got Kawhi there too. So it really puts a less of a offensive responsibility on his shoulders. And I think also with Nick Batum, whether they start him at power forward and... Marcus Morris there, mate, your reaction says it all too. But Both of those guys
1: could be off the team and I wouldn't feel any indifferent like that. Yeah, so
2: that's where I think I sort of lie upon this as well, Alex, is that going after Hardham isn't the best choice for the Clippers just as long as George and Leonard stay healthy and they're able to perhaps be a top three team in the West.
1: Yeah, I think next week's episode we're going to do a over-under – uh, we show, I guess is the word I'm trying to look at. So, we'll talk about the Clippers in depth there because they're definitely a risk, you know, a fully healthy team and they could be anywhere in the top five of a conference. But, you know, time and time again, we've shown that that, that doesn't occur. Um, a couple quick things. We'll uh, keep going on in our stories. Brandon Clark from the Memphis Grizzlies reportedly had a second surgery on his torn Achilles. Um, so, that's probably going to rule him out for the entire year. Um, unconfirmed reports at the moment, the severity of that second surgery. Devin Vassell, signed a $146 million extension. Now, both of you guys know who Devin Purcell plays for, but for those at home, uh, the underrated gem in the league, he's a third-year player, will be a fourth-year player this year out of San Antonio. Guys, were you surprised at the $146 million tag on that?
2: Because I was. Yeah, maybe a bit 50-50, I think Alex too, but they wanted to lock away that trio component, him, Keldon Johnson, and of course, the number one draft pick, Victor Webb and Yama for the future, right? That's their big three moving forward and it's ultimately the right decision that the Spurs have come to in that regard and I think in hindsight too with the starting five that they do have, it's solid enough and it may not in terms of scaring other teams in the West because of how deep the conference is this year, but it's a platform that the Spurs do already have and, of course, having Trey Jones there at point guard as well. And just like his brother Tyce, his assist to turnover ratio is just immaculate. It's basically yeah. what, one to one or something? It's just incredible, right? And I think that's where I think moving forward as well for the Spurs too is just locking away those key components. And we've already seen what Kelden Johnson's done the last couple of seasons and when be the whole big raps on him as well, too. Even though one of the Summer League games, yeah, didn't go to play, but it's only a Summer League game, right? It's not as though it's 15, 20 games of practice and all of a sudden someone's trying to light, light the fuse on him too. No, it's not. It's just sort of trying to really get yourself used to the differences between the European game where he played and, of course, where the dimensions of the quarter are sort of not a lot small in the way too, but it's a lot more physical, the game, in Europe compared to in USA and of course, thing. with all the rule changes that have come into effect, which basically suits more for the offensive players. So that's going to be the most – Intriguing part two with how the Spurs do go forward because it's similar, right, to when Tim Duncan was drafted, maybe because he was arguably the youngest player in that team when they already had veterans like David Robinson, Sean Elliott, who missed a chunk of games the year before the Spurs drafted Tim Duncan first overall in 1997. So that's probably just a little bit of difference there between where the Spurs are at now heading into 2023-24 compared to when Duncan first came into the league as a Spur where... Basically, it was what? The Celtics were the ones most likely to have the number one draft pick that year.
1: Mm. Tom, I'm not sure I've ever heard you say the words, Devin Vassell. Uh, Any thoughts here?
0: Oh, not really.
1: I mean, we'll wait to see what the cap spikes are like in a few years to
0: see how uh, that contract looks. I mean, it's just under about $30 a year, which is interesting for a guy who's never made an all-star team or anything, but who knows? Not yet. Not yet. not yet, not yet, but who knows? In a couple of years, that 30 mil might look like chump change, so I'm, wait and I'm see. I'm
1: just going out there here. Uh, second year in the league, he averaged 12 points. Last year, he averaged 18.6 points or something, uh, missed more than half the year with a knee injury in the middle of the season in San Antonio. So if you weren't paying attention, you're probably going, oh, I've forgotten about Devin Vassell." But um, look, I got clued onto him a while ago. Zach Lowe, Professor Lowe, said he was one of his top five players in the league, and I went, Who? And uh, <laughs> made a little effort to try and research them. So, moving on, um, Jared Allen is going to miss the next couple of weeks after injuring his ankle at Cavs training camp. Not sure if either of you wanted to touch on this for 10 seconds. Probably going to be okay by opening day, but uh, something to note there in Cleveland. I think I see Yuri nodding along. Five seconds on Jared
2: Allen. Yeah, they've got plenty of big man help anyway, Alex, too. They signed Damian Jones this offseason. And, of course, Tristan Thompson coming back to the Cavs. And I think it's something within the shape of the Eastern Conference is where the Cavaliers really want to use that big size advantage, I think, as well the big man.
1: Speaking of Eastern Conference, big man, Joel Embiid, a very French-sounding name, has declared not to play for France in the Olympics next year. It could have been his home Olympics. He's from Cameroon. They speak French. I'm really going for a stretch here, the Olympics in Paris. Uh, Tom, Embiid, thoughts?
0: Uh, Soft move, playing for America. I mean... They're already assembling like the, the the best team since, you know, what the Redeem team probably with players like LeBron and Curry and Durant saying they were in. To get in is just now ridiculous. Uh, what's the point? I mean, he could have gone to France and they could have actually been quite competitive, but he's chosen to go to uh, America and not a great indication for 76ers fans if he's that happy to and willing to run away from the grind the trade request. Might happen soon.
1: Uh, last thing I want to touch on before we jump into the Dame trade, is uh, Masai Ujiri the Raptors GM said that they won't extend players right now until they see that players can play the right way that was his words very strange things happening for culture in uh, Raptorland. land um, I don't know who he's talking about there but Pascal Siakam who is extension eligible uh, hit out in the media a couple of hours later said I've always believed I've played the right way so I don't feel great about the culture in uh, Canada to start the season but you know in you, Jerry, we trust. All right, moving on. I don't even know where to start with this Dame trade, Bucks trade. The first thing that happened is the Dame trade from Portland to Milwaukee. Yuri, you are our Milwaukee specialist. I hand the floor over to you. Uh, talk us through, I don't know, where do you want to start with this? There's obviously the most devastating pick and roll combination possible in the league is Damian Lillard, who's only bested by Steph Curry in shooting ability, probably in league history at the moment. Um Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is on a wrecking path to a top 20 all-time finish uh, as a big man and as just a general player, can destroy it, opens up the floor for Chris Middleton to operate in. Um, I could keep going. Where do you want to start with the success of this trade and how it came out of nowhere?
2: Oh, absolutely came out of nowhere, Alex. And even just think the first few messages on the phone were from the group on WhatsApp, right, with the whole bonkers deal that went down and sort of had to take a probably a double blink in a way just to see the trade they eventuated. And
1: for those at home, out- is currently wearing a Bucks jersey too, so he's clearly <laughs> feeling himself.
2: So basically looking at it in all Alex, thought Milwaukee was the last destination that Lillard would nominate. And maybe even those comments from only a few months back with him and Giannis talking about them wanting to play in the All Star game well or well, pairing up together when they'll playing in the All-Star weekend was probably the first sign I'd say that it could come to reality, a potential trade in the works. And even, of course, with Lillard nominating Miami as his team of choice, right, and that had been going on for the last couple of months before this deal went down. And since we're finding out, we had to give up Drew Holiday, which was – that was a big loss because Drew, not just because of his on-court and his – defense right throughout as well. He basically sticks to people like Superglue. You can't go past that. But it's what he's done for the Milwaukee community, right, with helping those who are in need too and his wife as well, who's a former represented USA in the women's soccer too, Lauren Holiday, was also a big part of that as well. And she spoke about too when Drew was traded that they were given no warning about him moving on as part of the little deal. So that was pretty hard to swallow at first, But I think when you look at it as well, too, with the offensive side, and this is pretty well clear with how clutch Damian Lillard is when it comes to the last three minutes of the game, you can put the ball in his hands and not be so stagnant like what happened in the first round against Miami, what happened even during the 22 Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston Celtics, particularly, I think, in Game 7 and Game 2 as well, where the offense just completely grinded to a halt and... Boston, of course, are able to get those threes raining down, which they so thrive upon. And just, I think, releasing that pressure of Giannis too, not having him to sort of bully his way every single time when a shot clock gets down to 10, he's in the one-on-one situation, especially with our Horford. That's probably where, of course, Boston really want to thrive upon once more, and we'll talk about it later. But when it comes down to, I think, creating your own shot in the half-court offense, which Yes, already touched upon. The Bucks do struggle at various points. That Lillard can be the one to free it all up. And that's where I think now you can incorporate that pick and roll. And it's not just with Giannis too. There could be similar pick and rolls with Brook Lopez. Lopez. Marshon yeah. and Beauchamp
1: is a long guard as well.
2: Yep. And there's one thing similar I think with Lillard and Lopez, and I could be wrong too, is with Darren Williams and Brook Lopez in Brooklyn. That one-two synergy that they had as well off the high post, and Brooke would roll down for a floater or even sometimes a pick and pop from 18, 20 feet, which Brooke excelled at. And I was hoping to see a lot more of that too this upcoming season because last season, right with Lopez, was his best offensive production since his final season in Brooklyn back in 2016 17 when he made that leap in taking more than what two, three point attempts per game. I think it was about five, three point attempts Brooke had that season alone. So that's going to be highly intriguing on that department too because we've seen Brooke be a lot more heavily involved in the offense especially this past season and I think in the probably the past two three seasons alone it wasn't so much because of course having Giannis having Druid various times having Chris there even having Bobby coming off the bench and coming off the bench once more this season so that's going to be it's going to be really exciting to watch on that regard too because I think we've seen with the Bucs over the years too with some of the pick-and-roll players, especially when Giannis started hitting his prime, probably midway through that 15-16 season when he had that triple-double against the Lakers and Jason Kidd really gave him the keys to the offense. We've seen, of course, with Eric Bledsoe there and Drew Holiday and we saw, I think, Michael Carter-Williams was part of that deal back midway through the 2014-15 season, but there wasn't too many of those deadly one-two pick and rolls between those two. So this is probably the first time ever for Giannis as well, having a guy who's not just renowned for his scoring but is a very unselfish passer too, Alex.
1: One thing I wanted to just touch on is this team did get a lot older. Um Brook Lopez will be 36 by the time the playoffs come around. Damian Lillard's 33 now. Do you feel it's worth the risk that this aging team didn't skew younger? You're still getting older, but you've gotten better. Is it worth the risk at another chip?
2: I think so, Alex. And it is, time will tell, right, at the end of the day, if the Bucks do finish on top of the East and are able to make their way through the playoffs and perhaps win a second chip for, by the next time in four seasons. So we'll find out a lot more about that too. But I think the problem always was already, even before the Lillard deal went down too, was the Bucks only had what three future first round picks at their disposal, and gave up a swap of twenty twenty eight and twenty thirty two. So, or twenty thirty, shall I say? So we don't really have any draft capital until two thousand thirty one. So sometimes you do have to lay your eggs in the basket, and it was something similar to what the Brooklyn Nets did in the summer two thousand thirteen when they went after Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry and ultimately I don't know if that's up. a
1: great example, Yuri.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but but so, sometimes you've got to use those examples, right? Because right. we saw what happened in the latter parts with the Nets era, right? Joe Johnson Absolutely. was basically waived or bought out, buyout, shall I say, and the Heat signed him up and Darren Williams the season after that signed with the Dallas Mavericks and, yeah, it's just that type of situation is one – yeah, it, it may come sooner than later but – to be brutally honest as well, Alex, it was almost a win-now situation. And just like what Tom's going to talk about shortly too with the Boston Celtics and their situation as well because we've seen for the last, what, six, seven seasons with them, they've made two conference finals appearance. They made the NBA yeah. finals, of course, in 2022. And they're basically on the running window clock as well to deliver the side's 17th banner and the first since 2008.
1: Well, from one championship favorite that got better to another, Tom, the cost of Damian Lillard in Milwaukee was losing Drew Holiday. Uh, How did he end up a Celtic? And what are your thoughts on how this team is now constructed its place in the East and its championship contention?
0: Yeah, well, we said, we didn't do it on the podcast, but we said off air last week, uh, you know, I, I said I wanted Drew Holiday as a Celtic, but I didn't think we'd give up Rob Williams for him. And less than 24 hours, I was proven wrong as we happily shipped him off to Portland. Um, Which, you know, look, I liked Rob Williams. I think he's a great player, but look, he was always injured. Um And since entering the league, he's played 32 games, 29 games, 52 games, 61 games, 35 games. He's got that knee injury, which is not what you want for someone who's that athletic. You know, His, his whole strength is his verticality around the rim. Um, he has had a lack of offensive growth, and he needs to play next to a guy like Horford, who can defend the other team's best big man so he can roam around and be that free safety. And he's great in the system that suits him, but he can be exposed. So what Portland do with him will be interesting. I don't see how Portland play him and Aiton together. Uh, and I think... I really don't see it working out for both of them. I wouldn't be surprised if they do trade Rob Williams again for some more picks. Um, and look, Holiday, great defender. I'm so excited to have him. I mean, he's basically a better version of Smart. I mean, in that 2022 season, we argued. Um, I mean, we weren't doing the podcast, but Celtics and Bucks fans constantly argued who's better, Smart or Holiday. Celtics fans stuck to their guns and Smart. We then saw that seven game series where Drew Holiday outplayed Smart in every facet of the game, including that game six where Holiday won it. Game five, where Holiday won it by himself, basically at the end in the clutch. Um, and look, it's going to be interesting. The Celtics' top six now is Tatum, Brown, Holiday, Porzingis, White, Horford. But then after that, it takes a big dive. You know, Hauser, Pritchard, Cornet, Brissett, Lamar, Stevens, Makhachev. Like, it's not great. They're not great names. Not household names, that's for sure. They'll probably want to add one more big just to cover for injuries because Porzingis, they're injury prone. Horford, thirty-eight. Um, but, look, they've got a lot of elite spacing on the floor and everyone in the top six can score in multiple facets except for our Horford. Our Horford's basically turned into a 3 and D guy now, um, but everyone else can shoot the three. And Porzingis is probably the only average defender on the team. I think everyone else, I reckon, is above average at least. Um, and, look, we finally have a legit point guard. And, look, he's had some poor playoff moments, especially last year in that Heat series, but he's also had some elite ones. And instead of being the Bucks second scoring option. He's now going to be the Celtics, what, fourth scoring option. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, look at the Celtics off season as a whole. I mean, we got rid of Smart, Rob Williams, Grant Williams and Brogdon as the rotation players. And we brought in Paul Zingas and Holiday. That's a win for me and an upgrade. And injuries are going to be a concern with Paul Zingas and and the team as a whole, but, namely one contender where injuries aren't a concern. I mean, you look at the Bucs, Lopez, Giannis, Middleton, Lillard, all have had injury issues over the last few seasons. So you can say injuries are a concern for every team, but I'm so excited for this series. And, you know, put this way, I'm very glad I bought tickets to this game because as soon as these two trades went through, the prices doubled. So
1: that's what I was going to touch on. You're going to be in uh, Boston. I think they're playing for this game in a, in a month and a half's time or so. Um you, you, I'll I'll watch my words here, but we'll be very jealous, and we'll probably get an instant recap from that game. Hopefully, we can tee up the show to be right after that. Uh, Tom, who's the better team, the Celtics or the Bucks?
0: I look. I think team as a whole, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna say Celtics. But in a seven game series, if it was to be played right now, without having seen a single ball bounced and knowing how each team chemistry was, I'm, I'd pick the Bucks just simply purely because. When you have the best player on the floor, you're more likely to win. And when you've got Giannis, like, it's going to be hard. And I didn't touch on this before, but also when we traded Rob Williams, everyone's like, ooh, who's going to stop Giannis and Embiid? Uh, well, Rob Williams never did. I, 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 <laughs> he never did. I don't, I don't understand that logic. It was our. Hall- <laughs> it was Hawford, yeah. <laughs> it was Hawford. Like, go back and watch the Sixers series. Rob Williams in that game six when Tatum finally decided he remembered how to play basketball. Rob Williams was on the bench. You know he wasn't there defending when it was down to the wire and the season was on the line. He doesn't. That's not how he plays. So let's let's cut that out immediately.
1: Yuri, I'll ask you the same question. Who's the better team here?
2: Well, I think oh, it's just when you look at the on teams on paper, right, Alex? It's just it's very hard to different, differentiate. shall I say because both teams are elite three point shooters. Both basically ranked top five for three point attempts. The Bucks have been, I think, the last four to five, four out of five seasons, should I say, have been the top rebounding team. And so, sort of when you look at it, too, oh, it's probably pick one, pick one, heading pick one. heading hard and being biased. Probably the Bucks, of course. But the biggest part, too, I think both teams probably at various points have the issue as well. Alex is in the half court when it gets really stagnant, and we saw last season, right, with Boston against Miami in the conference finals, especially with Brown and Tatum in that game, sandwich so Jason tweaked his ankle early and Jalen Brown had, what, eight turnovers in that deciding game and it really came to a halt. And that's, I think, going to be probably the biggest differential, I think, is who can when if the two teams do play each other, for example, in the conference finals, is able to get a bit more fluidity in the offense because I think Adrian Griffin spoke about it in his inaugural Bucks presser when he was appointed head coach back on June 6th is how are you going to design the offense and the defense too? And he said, offensively, we want a lot more off-ball and on-ball movement. And we didn't really see that various times in the Budenholzer era, right, where it was a lot of sort of isolation, one-on-ones, and not a lot of off-cutting to the basket, which Pat Connington's extremely good at that particular department, Alex, too. He just finds these little slithers of space where the team just falls to sleep, right? Maybe they'll use a 2-3 zone and they don't, catch him, seeing him going from the corner all the way to the basket. And that's something that the Bucs love to draw and design that play-up for Pat to get open. So that's going to be a I'd real, also I look
1: thing. at um, last year's rookie, Marjon Beauchamp, they're working off ball. Um, 24th pick, so it wasn't a lottery, but they love his development over the off-season. I'm sure you're clued in as well. He only scored about five points a game in limited minutes last year. But he's a tall, lengthy guard who can get to the hoop. Um, I want to see a lot of him with that space Damien Lillard will create above the three-point line. I think there'll be some operating room for him to show what he's got. They love him is all I wanted to touch on. That- that's something to keep an eye on as well. Um, I don't know where to go with this because these are both teams, I think, have a real shot at the title. The Giannis Dame thing is just a freak of nature uh, between Giannis's dominance in the paint and his speed and length versus Damien Lillard's dominance from the outside. And then you come to the Celtics, and I'm so scared of Jason Tatum, but you get that Jason Tatum 65% of the game. Like, I'm sure Tom will agree. He's, he can be streaky. Yuri, am I am I crazy here? I can't pick between the two of them.
2: No, you're not crazy at all, Alex. There's one more thing to point out too is losing Holiday and then the perimeter defense for Milwaukee, which slightly takes it here as well. If Middleton does potentially return to his, well, all defensive, if you want to call it that way, and just being that savvy defender, like yeah, it was it's, it's more pressure before on him. he, yeah, twisted, well, his MCL against Chicago in game two of the first round playoffs in 2022, then it's going to at least help on that end. And if we can really see a bit of a sort of an incline in defensive production as well on the perimeter, from Save if on Beauchamp gets a lot more minutes too, that's going to be extremely fascinating to see how that plays out. Pat Connaughton's always been a very handy defender too. Alex, and whether he gets assigned it. Because I think, was a time right with the Bucs? And maybe if, the, if this goes back to about two, three seasons ago where the Bucks played Pat Connaughton at various points at the power forward spot, if I'm not wrong with that, because there was a slight time where they did opt for that. So they could – I'm not saying they're going to go down that route. There's probably no way it's going to happen. But they can at – each, t- well, each point play him on Jason Taylor. I don't see why not. Even though he's a, Well, even though he's giving up, what, four to five inches in height, he, he can match it with him, though.
1: I think the only way for us to move forward is to find out who are the best players in both of these teams combined, and that's why over the next 15 or so minutes, the three of us are going to conduct a Celtics-Bucks draft. Tom, myself, Yuri, we are each going to draft players from these two teams only to create the best team available, which honestly, I think we can get three full teams of good talent out. Um, Yuri, sorry to spoil you. I did a little uh, randomizer before the show and Tom got number one. You got number two and I got the third pick. So Tom gets to pick first. Um, Gentlemen, I have the combined rosters open in front of me. I think both of you might as well. Tom, in the first pick of the Celtics Bucks draft, which is a loaded draft draft, I'm going to guess you're going to take Jason Tatum, but I'm open if you want to make a trade with me in third. Uh, go ahead, pick Tatum. And, you know, three and a half years of doing this via Zoom and in, in the pandemic, Tom still hasn't learned to unmute himself.
0: No, no, I'm just uh, I was just ready to shock you all. I'm actually going to take Giannis at the one. Hey. Uh, we'll betray my man. I'm I, can't, gonna, I can't pass that
1: up. I'm 100% going to bring that up at least once a show for the next season.
0: Oh, there's no doubt. Two-time MVP and a champion and finals MVP. He's better than Tatum for the moment, but uh, only one of them can uh, uh, claim that they uh, have won an Eastern
1: Conference finals MVP. So, oh, uh, Yuri, who are you picking with your second pick or your first pick?
2: Well, first pick overall, Alex, I'm picking is Damian Lillard. I think that's a pretty obvious standout with all the immense talent that's already there too. And I think when it comes, we've already spoken about shot creation, been absolutely ice cool in the clutch and being at, well, basically a closer in the way too for the Bucks this upcoming season and it, it was a pretty relatively straightforward choice.
1: Has that trade not officially gone through yet? Because I don't see him on this roster. Have I made a mistake?
2: Maybe it must it's be it's a different roster. Gone <laughs> Maybe it's not on the roster.
1: I'm using old rosters. We're just going to go. I picked this up direct from basketball reference, so we're going <laughs> to roll with this. I'm going to insert Damian Lillard somewhere in here. Um, my first pick, I think I have to go Jason Tatum, right? There's yeah. no other third possibility, it's Tatum. Um, I thought about Al Horford. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Jason Tatum plugging Alex in there, which means Tom. Uh, I need you to pick the fourth pick and I need you to explain it for a while because I've got to find Damien Lillard and put him back in the roster. Do,
0: do we not want to do uh, oh, a snake drop? I think that would be more fair. Otherwise, I think I'd, I'd probably you know win what? it. You, you're totally point. right.
1: I could go Tatum and Brown back to back. Um, oh, Decisions, decisions. There isn't that many decisions. I mean, at this point, the best talent, Chris Middleton's too old. Uh, Christoph's Porzingis career year last year. I don't want to take that away from the 7.3 forward, but I probably have to go. <sighs> I don't want to. I don't want it to do it. I'm going to take Drew Holiday. And my reason being, if I'm taking Tatum as the scorer, I want Drew Holiday to be able to bring the ball up, set up offense, and defend the other team's best player. So Tatum gets a bit of breath there. Now, Tom, this is where I need you to talk for a while while I figure out where to put Dame Lillard back in this roster.
0: No, no, it's Yuri's head
1: now. I that- have, I'm losing my mind. Yuri. it's your turn with the fourth pick. With oh, great. Pick. So- Yuri, just pick. I don't know what pick it Mario. is anymore. Just pick.
2: So this may be not left of field, but I'm going to choose Brook Lopez for mine. And this may sound a bit outlandish in a way too, but we saw last season, as we talked about a few minutes ago, his offensive productivity significantly skyrocketed and he was a lot more involved in the offense and – basically to his Brooklyn Nets days, right, where he was arguably, him and DeMarcus Cousins were the two best young centers in the league at that time. And they really made a conscious effort, I think, to Milwaukee to try and really feed in those touches down low. And, of course, we've seen him turn into Splash Mountain the last seven, eight seasons, and that's really paid dividends. And his shot-blocking too, which has always been elite, right? And I think that's the big part too with having Giannis and Brook there, with at the bucks and just be able to defend the paint but also defend the rim too, which is basically a, you can call it the twin towers type if you want in that way. But even though Brooks passing is he's never even really been known as a passer to it's that different, I think, dimension off um, shall I say offensive skill set that he's provided since he was drafted back in two thousand eight. And even when you think about whether at various points, right, during the regular season when the two teams do match up for those four meetings, is that He'll play on Paul Zingas at various points and we'll probably most likely see Boston play Paul Zingas more down in the block unlike, what, three years ago, right, where he was basically playing more as that stretch on the perimeter right under Rick Carlisle. But going back to Brook too and why I chose him as well is just that overall, not just his offense, right, which has always been there, but he's made that effort and it's always been a big part. We talked about it too on another podcast of ours and about Reggie Evans being that real driving force along with Avery Johnson all those years ago to help him become a better, not just a rim protector, which he always, always is, shall I say, but a better weak side help defender too. So that's why I got Brook Lopez for mine.
1: Tom, it's finally your pick again. We've had a couple of flyers taken off the board. What direction are you going in?
0: Well, I, I was quite happy with that Lopez pick. I had him ninth on my draft board, so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident here. So I'm going to take Jalen Brown now with this next
1: pick. And what position are you um, going to play him? Because I'm doing a little position depth chart over yeah, here. Yeah, I got
0: one two here as well. I'm going to play Brown as the small forward, I reckon. Okay.
2: So, so I'm, I'm pretty Brown. happy
0: with that. I mean, second second option on the Celtics, proven that he can be the second option on a team that at least makes the finals. He was the best player for the Celtics in the finals, averaged about 26.5 points per game last season or something like that. Yes, he can't dribble with his left hand. Hopefully, he's
2: improved. <laughs> we that. didn't talk about that at the top of the
1: show. Did you see the video this week, Tom? I did see the video. I did so, see the video. Uh, this it's- is how I led with that on my, uh, on People Bites, a five-minute daily NBA podcast. I led with that with Jalen Brown was caught on camera dribbling with his left hand like with some sort of crime, and it's terrible. I don't know if you've seen it too, Yuri. It's it's like me out there, and that is not a compliment
2: at all. I'll have to give that a watch, Alex. Oh,
1: it's, it's brutal. We'll talk about it after. <laughs>
0: Look, uh, look uh, he was
1: just mucking around, you know. I'd hate to see what what what, uh, what, what
0: would, I'd, I'd get caught on video doing when I wasn't paying attention. So who knows? But uh, no, I'll take Brown at the small forward. I mean, he's going to be a good second option uh, next to Giannis. He can shoot. He can score in the paint, you know. Um, so I'm pretty happy with him. And then for my next one, I'm going to take Porzingis and I'll play him as a center oh. and sort of play Giannis as that roaming uh, power forward sort of defender kind of guy. And, um, you know, I've now got two guys that can shoot the three and can also score down low in the post and Giannis is just going to dominate. So, I'm pretty happy with my uh, front line. Yeah,
1: that that front court, uh, Jalen Brown at the three, Giannis at the four, Pazingas at the five could do some damage. Yuri, back to you. I've slotted Damien as a point guard for you. I didn't know if you wanted him as the point or the shooting guard, depending on who's left on the board. And Brook is the center, obviously. Where are you going now?
2: Okay, so probably go and go... Still got faith in Chris Middleton. So I'll him uh, back at the small forward spot. And yes, of course, the wrist surgery really hampered the start of his campaign and he had a few more niggling knee issues. But when we did get to see the best of Chris as well, it was basically the version of him in the twenty twenty one NBA finals and during that second round series against the Brooklyn Nets a couple of years ago, right? Where I think he hit that turnaround three as well from the foul line inside the last forty five seconds of that seventh and deciding game and he always comes up clutch, right? It's pretty simple in the way too. He's effortless with his jumper. He always picks the right spots on the floor. And although this is a mock draft and him and Janice aren't in it, it's only a mock draft, of course. But that pick and roll combination, which I think going to the season, of course, with Lillard being there, is another one that they can run once more to the Bucks. But I think also if he can return back to yeah the defense as well, which he was always – well-known for before, of course, that MCO injury, maybe losing a couple of steps or two, but still got plenty of faith in Chris, especially from beyond the arc as well, which he hits well over 35% of them.
1: Okay, so it's back to to my pick, and this is the problem here. There is a – this is the drop-off in talent is after Middleton. There's a lot of okay talent in the middle. I'm just going to point out Jay is there, Pat Connaughton's there, um, Cameron Payne, Bobby Portis. The problem between these two lineups is the center depth is woeful. So, it hurts me to pick Al Horford with my third pick and leave those talent on the table. But it's Horford or Robin Lopez or a rookie. And those are your two options there. So, I have to pick Al Horford. He's a Giannis stopper. So, Tom, good luck getting past me. But that's where I have to go at the center spot is the big me and Al Horford. Now, I get to go third. So, I had had some time to think back to back. I've got Drew Holiday. He can score. He can defend. I've got Jason Tatum, my superstar. I've got Al Horford, a superstar stopper I can defend all the big men. I need other talent at the two spot, the four spot, or the six-man spot. I don't know what to do. I said all that like I'd prepared and I had a plan, but I don't. (laughs) I could could go with uh, Malik Beasley in his seventh season at the guard spot. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Uh, Cameron Payne I'd like to steer away from. Bobby Portis is my, my panic option is take Bobby Portis and play him as a six-man and just figure out the starting lineup. Should I take Pat Connaughton? Yuri, talk me into Pat Connaughton.
2: Why should choose Pat? Oh, because I think more than just, I think, defensive versatility too. You can play him down, shall I say as well, before I get my words fumbled around, stretches down late in games as well. We saw, I think, in game five, that 2022 conference semifinals against the Celtics. He played in the clutch as well. And even though he didn't make a lot of clutch buckets, he was a big part of why the Bucs failed to steal that game on the road against I've the Celtics I've come to too. a decision.
1: I've got to go with my my new bald friend, Derek White, at the shooting guard position. Tom looks filthy. He looks like he wanted him. I forgot all about Derek White and he's got a haircut. The fro has <laughs> gone.
0: I thought you didn't bring him up, and I thought, oh, you weren't going to take him, and I was, I was banking on Yuri might not take him either, and I was hoping he could sneak up to me. But damn, that backcourt! The man, the man responsible for arguably the greatest, uh, the, the highlight of my year, probably. You've just taken him.
1: So now my backcourt: Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jason Tatum. I don't hate that at all. Yuri, back to you. Thanks for helping Adios. me steer clear of Pat Connaughton.
2: Uh, that's all right, Alex. Uh, well, my next pick is Bobby Portis. Okay. Um, yeah. We've seen at times, of course, him and Lopez play together, especially when Giannis, we all feared at first aid, did his ACL. And he was such a big help alongside Brooke in the remaining of that 2021 conference finals against the Atlanta Hawks. And that has the partnership between those two when they've been on, when they've been together as well in those minutes has always been very valuable. So I'd look to, yeah, in terms of the energy as well, what Bobby provides as well, it's instant energy right away the first few minutes. You can get him a few post touches as well. He can stretch the floor. He's hes a willing passer too. He's not a shot block in the way as well, but he's a hustler, and my, that's what you
1: need for the 50-50 balls. My question is, are you going to play him at the four spot or off the bench?
2: I think go off the bench okay, in so that regard, and he'll still play plenty of minutes, Alex.
1: Bobby as the sixth man. Tom, you have a point guard, shooting guard, and a six-man position available. You look like you're rapidly doing research in front of you.
0: No, no, I've got my draft board. I've, I, I was set for this. But, uh, look, I'm going to need a point guard and a shooting guard. And, you know, I don't love it, but I will take Pat Connaughton at the, as a shooting guard. Um, and, you know, look, I, I don't hate him. He's very athletic. Um, I will say, though, while you, re- you did say he was a uh, decent at Uh, guarding Jason Tatum. If you do go back and watch game six when Tatum had 46 the other postseason. Barbecue chicken alert. Yeah, it was. There was one moment where Tatum literally just gets thrown the ball and Pat Connington's on him and he just rises up above him. Um, But I don't mind it for my shooting guard. And now point guard, again, all the good point guards have basically been taken. Um, So I'm basically left with Cam Payne or Payton Pritchard. Um. Well, look, both of them have played in the finals before, surprisingly. I'd have to say I think campaign performed better in the finals than Pritchard, so I'm going to take campaign.
1: I don't have much more to say there. That's how campaign makes me feel. Yuri, all right, let's recap where you're at. You've got Dame Lillard. I think you're playing him as your point guard. Yep. Chris Middleton at the three, Brooke Lopez at the centre, and Bobby Porter. So you need another guard who doesn't have to be a shooting hero and then some size between Middleton and Brooke.
2: Yeah, wow. That's,
1: or you could just ignore both of those and pick whoever you want. There's no rules.
2: I think it's interesting more with the power forward too, Alex. And I think, of course, we going to see during the regular season with the Bucks at times really downgrade with small ball, play Giannis at five. And how much if they do play Giannis at five, well, we'll find out sooner than later, right? But I think oh, this is really probably a head-scratcher in some way, but I feel as though like Jay Crowder, the small ball lineups as well. You can play him at small four too, but he's a very good perimeter defender and it's why the Bucks. well, it's no wonder why he signed with Milwaukee right after that long delay of whichever teams will go and go after him. So he's also very re- well reliable three-point shooter in a way too. He can yeah, take, assign the task of playing on the opposition's best point guard as well, shooting guard, small forward, and he can match it physically as well too, Alex, and that's what you need.
1: So I've got a six-man of the year and a power forward spot available. Just trawling through. So some of my available options, um, they're not great. Jordan Walsh, a rookie for the Celtics. Uh, Lamar Stevens, three-year player I've never heard of, so it can't be that great. Um, I could pick Shreemik Hyla as a three and push him to the four. That's a bit rough, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just trying to look at some of these names. I don't know. Wenyan Gabriel was okay for the Lakers. He started 20... He probably started 50 games, I think, for the Lakers last year. Um, He's a forward, four-year player. I could slot him in as a forward. I'm going to take Wenyan Gabriel. Underrated. I don't know why I did that. I've got both picks. So, now I've got time to think about what my (laughs) sixth pick should be. Tom, do you propose a trade? You've got the last pick in this draft. So, if you desperately want someone, now's the time to trade. I don't know what you can trade for but you can propose a trade.
0: Um, uh, I mean, I'll happily give you Pat Connaughton, my current pick. Uh, no, I've got, I've got nothing. The trades don't really work here. I've got nothing <laughs> I can actually give you of any benefit because I'm not giving you Brown, Giannis or Puzzingis, that's for sure.
1: Okay, I think I'm just going to take the most exciting prospect for my six-man, and that's uh, Marjan Bochamp. I think I'm just going to take him, bank on his growth, uh, try and get some instant energy and some scoring off the bench. So Marjan is off the board. Yuri, you've got one spot left at the two guard.
2: Okay, Radio, Long time, hard thinking about this, but I'll go Malik Beasley. Okay, why is that? I think for mine. Yeah, just an extra volume three point shooter. Even though he's not really been known for his defense as well, and when he did come to Lakers, he got minutes. But then as the season gradually went by, his minutes dwindled to the point where he started receiving DMPs right during the playoffs. So I think with a new environment too and even like at the Nuggets as well, he was a solid contributor there under Michael Malone and I feel as though, yeah, even though he's not going to start, of course, a shooting guard, but he provides that extra offensive arsenal out on the perimeter.
1: Tom, last pick of the draft is your six-man. Where are you going? What direction? What's your thoughts?
0: Yeah, look. By this stage, you know most of the good players have been taken. So take I, my boy you know, Svima Kylik. Take him. No, no, no. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, another Celtic though, and I'm gonna go with Sam Hauser coming off the bench. And why
1: is that? That's a surprising one for me.
0: Well, look, he's good. Good shooter. Uh, when he plays around strong players, he can be utilized quite well. Uh, and you know look underrated defender he he's not a good defender, don't get me wrong about that, but teams do like to, did like to target him uh on that end during the uh opening stages of last season before they learnt that he's actually not that bad, and he actually started off the season as one of the best plus minus uh players in the league because teams would come in, change their whole entire offensive scheme to go at him, and it just wouldn't work so i uh, look as a sixth man, I'll take him, come off the bench, hit a few threes
1: look, we've just drafted. Three pretty good teams out of these two rosters. That's how much talent's there. These are some of the names that were left on the board, and, and they're not great, but, you know, the first name's Thanasis, Antetokounmpo. Uh, Marques Bolden, AJ Green, Chris Livingston, the rookie, not Chris Livingston. Uh, Robin Lopez, so far, not that great. Ty Ty Washington Jr. is an exciting young guy I thought about. Delano Banton still on the board. O'Shea Brissett still on the board. Um Tom, you took Sam Hauser. I better make sure I've got that. Uh, Luke Cornett, Shvima Kyler, Peyton Pritchard still there. No one took Pritchard. So, look, there's a there's a fourth team worth of some scrubs, and I mean that literally because there's a guy called Jay Scrub on the Celtics roster as well on a two-way contract. Uh, shout out the – I think he's Canadian, if I'm not mistaken. So, this is our teams. I'll read them out, and listeners at home, if you really want to get in touch with us at Mojo Sports Network on Instagram, let us know who's better because I think these are all three really great teams. Tom's team is Cam Payne, Pat Connaughton, Jalen Brown, Giannis Attentacumpo, Kristaps Porzingis, and then Sam Hauser off the bench. You know, the front court's pretty strong there, Jalen Brown, Giannis, and Porzingis. Backcourt, nothing. Yuri, your team of Damian Lillard, Malik Beasley, Chris Middleton, there's some huge scoring potential there in the backcourt. court. Jay Crowder, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis in the front court. That's pretty balanced. I don't mind that.
0: No, no Celtics players, though. No, no love for any of the Celtics he really Did he yeah, really do
2: that? Yeah, no
1: Celtics players. <laughs> Did you
2: do that on purpose? Uh, yeah, probably half and half. <laughs> oh,
1: that's shocking. Uh, and then my team, I'm just reviewing it for the first time. Ugh. Drew Holiday at the point guard, Derek White at the shooting guard, Jason Tatum, a small forward, wenyan Gabriel on playing at the four for some reason, Al Horford and then Marjon Beauchamp. Um get Jason Tatum some help, I think. That's probably the weakest of those three teams. Uh I've I've got to pick Toms as a winner just because Yuri, you stuck with only Bucks teams. Uh, Tom, how do you think your team stacks up? Campaign, Pat and Jalen Brown, Giannis Paul Zingis and Sam Houser
0: well it's pretty good from the front court perspective although in a hypothetical situation campaign Pat Collin and going up against your team with holiday and white probably wouldn't go too well um unless your coach was uh, coach bud cuz uh, as i've learned play random <laughs> yeah well as as i've learned that seven game series though the Celtics and uh bucks bud did not like to pressure the guards despite that being our weakness so you know who knows but uh, yeah, i do, i'm pretty confident i do like my team in this situation here
1: Yuri, what are your thoughts on your squad? I'll read it out again. You've got Damon Malik Beasley and Chris Middleton. So you've got scoring potential, but then the uh, front court not so great. Jay Crowder hasn't played real basketball in four years. Uh, Brooke Lopez will be 36 by the time of playoffs. Bobby Portis, I'll give you that. He's been good. How do you think about your team?
2: I think it's a good mix of offense and defense too. I think the backcourt is a concern as well, especially on the defensive end. And Lillard and Malik Beasley haven't been known as – tremendous perimeter defenders, and Middleton, well, of course, the injuries, and before that he was close to being, well, I wouldn't say close to being an All-NBA defender, but he was a very good defender too, and he always stuck to, yeah, opposing small forwards pretty closely, and Brook as well being a great shot blocker and also really making strides on the defensive end too, not just being a rim protector. Bobby for that energy as well and hustle and scoring and rebounding, and Jay as well being another Defensive anchor as well, but also been a stretch four-toe.
1: Tom, I'm going to throw you under the bus to end the show. The last four or five weeks we've been joking in our group chat that every prediction you make blows up in your face spectacularly within a couple of days. Any predictions for this next week of NBA basketball before we see each other again next Sunday?
0: Well, most of the big trades have been done. There's not. There's, there's not a,
1: a man by the name of Jimothy Harden who's uh, still around somewhere. Do you want to make a bold prediction that's –
0: He's thinking. Oh, I, don't know, there's not, I, don't, I don't really think there's any bold predictions there because you know he's. Well, just for just my gonna sake, know. say he's going <laughs> to stay there.
1: Just say he's going to stay in Philly, and he'll be traded in two days. All later.
0: right. Uh, joint press conference in a week between uh, Harden and Daryl Morey, where they where they kiss and make up, and we you know we all we all celebrate that reunion again once it once again.
1: Yeah, I really threw you under the bus there, um, Yuri. Anything left to say uh, before we go next week? We're probably going to do some over under stuff on this show. Um, I don't know if you guys have either looked, started to look at it. I've started to look at these teams pretty heavily. Really confusing t- season. A lot of teams got better. So it, it's a hard one for our over-under series we'll do next week. Any final thoughts, Yuri?
2: Oh, I was hoping that Drew Holiday and the James Harden deal would go down. It would be pretty funny, right, to end the whole sort of schmozzle that had been going on for the last Chip month again. or whatever. Oh, what about as well with James Harden was it? won the clubs, and they had one the, um people holding up the sign, Daryl Morey's a liar. Oh, my goodness. It just, yeah, when's the whole fiasco going to go come to an end, right? Because it's so weird because Hardy's, shall I say, Daryl is the one who brought Harden to Houston back in the summer of 2012 and thought all's well, and it's really just a whole bit of a, well, don't know how to describe Yeah, we just move on. I
1: think that's it. We end the show. <laughs> We've been like this for <laughs> three months over the off-season. We're like, oh, my God, this is still <laughs> going on. Um, that's it, guys. Thanks for joining me. Uh, if you're still here, consider leaving us a five-star review. You can find Tom's stuff at theraw.com or in the show notes. Same for Yuri or find me at Be More Bites, a five-minute daily NBA show. Both of you guys are going to be on that one in the next couple of weeks as we ramp up towards preseason. Um, that's it. That's today's show. Thanks, guys.
2: Cheers, Alex. Thanks, Alex.